Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one parental page of Talmud every day. And as we read our way through Tractate Shabbat, we come to the portion that deals with muktza, the objects that we are not permitted to carry on Shabbat, because merely carrying them violates one of the prohibitions on Shabbat. And so today, the rabbis come up with a conundrum. What happens if your child holds an item you're not supposed to move on Shabbat, like, say, a rock, and then demands that you pick him or her up? Are you allowed to do that? And the answer, uncharacteristically of the Talmud, is unequivocal. It is yes. Rabbi Anai says, if there is a baby who has longing for his father or mother, it is permitted for the parent to lift the baby up, even though the baby is holding some kind of object that you're not allowed to move on Shabbat because the kid's longing, the kid's emotional well-being takes precedence over everything. I was really moved by the segment, and I was moved to call a writer I admire so greatly, an expert on many things, but among them, parenting, a mother herself of several children, and a very, very wise woman. Hello, Jordana Horn. Oh, hi. What a nice introduction. I'm going to uh, save that and play it for my own children. To remind them. <laughs> whenever, whenever they're misbehaving. Uh, so, Maybe 17 times a day, whatever. So, you know, so many times we as parents set rules. We're like, you're never allowed to do this. We don't allow screens during the week. We don't have snacks before dinner. And then there come moments in which a child is visibly emotionally shaken. And we, like Rabbi Anai on today's page, say, hey, man, if your kid has emotional needs, they probably take precedence over any kind of laws, rules and regulations. Is that right? As with everything, I would say not always. I have six children, and I would say that if we allowed things to be ruled by emotional needs as the primary conductor of how things happened here, it would be a perpetual tempest of hormones, anger. Um, <laughs> you, you know, it, it, even thinking about it makes me a little sick to my stomach. Um, but I would say that I found what you quoted to be touching, but not surprising, because I think that at the end of the day, we're talking about justice being tempered with mercy. I always, actually very often, and as we're sort of leaning into the fall and everything that comes along with it, I think a lot about the High Holiday Liturgy. In my parenting, I think about Avinu Malkinu, because I think the idea of coming to these holidays seeking forgiveness, and you look at our Father, our King, and so what comes first is always going to be father, not king. That's how you appeal to someone. And that, to me, is the common denominator of what brings us all together. It's that sense of love and pity, which translates in the reality of the day to case-by-case -case basis. Understanding uh, the spectrum of meltdowns, seeing who's really losing it as opposed to who's a little unsure about what emotional direction they want to take an argument in. But I think that your first priority, and I think that that first priority is being applied here, is in applying a rule, it's the mercy component that's coming rather than simply law and order, if you will. I think, by the way, The Spectrum of Meltdowns is a title of a great best-selling parenting book uh, uh, that, that, that I hope you will write one day. So <laughs> so tell us this, uh, as someone who's who's both living it uh, and, and also sort of thinking about it as not just as a mother, but also as, as a writer, 
as we go into a fall that promises to be uneasy, the virus is still very much at large, schools are an uncertainty. What are some of the kind of emotional cues? What are some advice that you could give those of us who are dealing with children whose emotional state is, shall we say, ever-changing? How should we avoid, at the very least, the, the greatest pitfalls? I would say that the baseline for everyone in whatever size house and whatever size family you're dealing with has to be true to your point, again, and uh, not on purpose, but I'm going to go with the theme, has to be compassion. And that starts with you as the parent. I often find that um, as a parent of six, I'm putting out a lot of fires at once. Thankfully, no real fires yet, but you know, 2020, <laughs> exactly who knows what's right. coming? I mean, so I find that my hands are always full and I find that I'm dealing with things in three minute increments as I go from one person's needs to the next. And I took a phone call with a dear friend of mine who does not have children um, who sort of <laughs> verbally gently shook me by the shoulders, um, and, uh, you know, gently and lovingly, uh, smacked my face and said, what are you doing to take care of yourself? And I said, um, this talking to you count right now. Right. <laughs> and, and he said, no, I mean, if we were not on the phone, what would you be doing? And I thought, Hmm, really nothing. So um, maybe the idea is have compassion, not only on these children. And let's pause for a second. And what do I mean by that? I mean, being aware of what they're going through, being aware that they have no frame of reference for any other, say, fourth grade year other than what we're going through now. That's weird. Right. Um, and it's really different from, you know, I, I often think of the line, this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> and, that, you know, and that is true for all of us. And really, I'm going to go with another nursery school aphorism. You get what you get. Um, and But I'm going to take out that little part about not getting upset because you're allowed to get upset. And I think that that's the thing. I think that having your finger on the emotional pulse of people, it doesn't mean you're, you know what everyone's thinking at any given time, but it does mean that, yeah, I understand that for my 16 and 15 year old, like it's super annoying to have little girls screaming in your face all the time. You know, when you're just trying to do anything from your algebra to your ACT to, trying to watch a movie. Um, and on the flip side of things, my girls who would be growing, you know, my nine-year-old who would be growing independently. And I find that eight and nine is sort of the breakoff point when you're going from one era of childhood into the next. And maybe she doesn't get full lift off because she's still, you know, stuck in this house with these people. So, you know, trying to give her more space, trying to give her more and by space, I mean both physical space and opportunities for her to pursue her interests and her intellectual inclinations independent of her siblings, trying to do all that. But at the same time, acknowledging, no, you know something, I don't have to sit on the floor with you and play Barbie's going shopping or whatever inane thing you're doing. I can say, you know something? This is fun for you to play, but right now I need to do my work or right now I don't need to do anything, but I was really into reading this book and I'd like to do that. 
<laughs> right now, um, being able to step away. And I've made a point of taking a walk um, alone every morning and whatever happens here happens. And I think that we need to realize that this is going to go on for quite some time. And I hate to say it because I am an optimist by nature. I think this winter is going to be pretty awful in a lot of ways. And I think that in light of that, we need to pace ourselves emotionally. We need to pace ourselves mentally. We need to pace ourselves physically. And whatever we can do to support each other during this time is great. And that can mean not really caring that much about things that might have been the end all and be all just months ago. I mean, the ACT, who knows like what's right. happening with college, you know? I can't get too fussed about that. You know, what I can is, okay, if you're feeling anxious, let's talk about it or not, whatever works for you. I guess it's a lot more like social work than I'd really anticipated because also normally the spread of authority figures is wider, right? Because you have not only parents in your life, but you have teachers with whom, you know, you can just have a casual conversation in a hallway um, or a coach. Right. Or and and those kinds of casual encounters aren't really happening anymore. And the chances of a full lockdown coming into winter, I think, are pretty high. So you have to be on the one hand, understanding that suddenly you have to be more things to each other than you were before. And at the same time, realize, you know, something uh, I have my limits and that may mean just taking a step away and taking a breather. But uh, it's for the long haul. And we're all just trying to survive, like literally and in the larger existential, meaningful sense. Amen to that. Jordana Horn, thank you so much for your wisdom. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Take care of yourself. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Magazine. If you enjoy this show, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafiomi. I'm your host, Leah Liebowitz. Our producer is Josh Cross, and our editor is Paul Ruest. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic, and we'll see you again soon.